I'm just trying to call people back to the vision of who you are in Christ. You have been entrusted with the primary work of the kingdom. Do you understand that? It's interesting, maybe a little convicting, to think about what does come out of me when I run into one of life's many rough patches. What comes out has to be what was inside, right? And what's inside is my worldview. Through the Truth Project, Focus on the Family's Dell Tackett helped millions of viewers learn how to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by looking at life through a biblical perspective. Now, through the Engagement Project, our guest is ready to help us take the next step to engage the world around us, not in the way we've been doing it, but in a new, fresh way, the way God wants. Well, Dell, welcome to the conversation this morning. Thank you, Stan. It's a blessing to be with you. Yeah, so I, I've never met you, but I kind of feel like I have because uh, a <laughs> number of years ago when uh, you uh, hosted and created Truth Project, uh, which was a powerful resource, I don't know if it's still available. Is it still available? My oh, goodness, yes, it is. Okay, and, uh, awesome. It's still going strong. It was just very impactful, very well done. I saw you a lot <laughs> doing that window. So I kind of feel like I've met you before, but uh, glad to to actually officially meet you and uh, have you in the conversation this morning. Well, it's my pleasure to be here with you. And, you know, it's amazing. You know, the Lord has really blessed that the Truth Project and it's gone all over the world. And uh, some estimates are that over 20 million people have been through it. Wow. And so I I feel bad about that because I always wanted to be able to interact with, Hmm. you know, the folks that are on the tour. But that that's great. The Lord has has really been gracious and kind to take it all over the world. Tell us a little bit about the Truth Project. Well, okay, the Truth Project is um, a series of of lessons, I guess I call them tours. There are 13 of them, hmm. and they're basically designed to help build uh, a comprehensive, systematic biblical worldview in the heart and mind of the believer. Hmm. So we take people on a 360-degree view of life, uh, from philosophy and uh, history and science, um, what is truth? Who is God? Who is man? Uh, how has God designed social order? All of those things to help people say, this is what God has said. This is what how God has designed this so that as we walk in the world around us, we will have uh, more of the eyes that God wants us to have as we see what's going on around. Today, I was just thinking about how often we, I'll throw myself in there as well, so often we as believers, we know the kind of, I'll say the top line line of truth but we don't know the roots of that a lot. There is such a strong foundation of logic and and truth and perspective that just makes sense that grounds our faith. Christianity is not merely a blind faith, right? It isn't, and I really like the way you've put it, Stan, because remember the scripture that talks about people who don't have that root, you know, they get to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And we could say today, you could say Mm -hmm. we get tossed and fro, uh, tossed to and fro by every viral thing that sweeps (laughs) through, you know, our, our media and, and everything. And so that's exactly the Lord burdened me a number of years ago for the state of the body of Christ. And, and that's what eventually led, um, 
to the Lord moving me to do whatever I could to get the body of Christ healthy. And that meant, first of all, to try and help build those deep roots, mm. uh, grow those roots uh, in in the heart and mind of, of the body of Christ, because that we have to have that because the world of flesh and the enemy are constantly bombarding us and pulling us uh, away. Mm. You know, that's, that's what Satan wants to do. Mm. Yeah. So what was the need that you were seeing, are seeing for a real fundamental understanding and teaching about a Christian worldview? Well, again, I think it's uh, it's that comprehensive view, first of all, that God has spoken in every area of life. I think one of the problems we've had in the Western church is that we have, we have uh, unwittingly, we'll say, shrunk Christianity down to a very small slice of life. Uh, and unfortunately, I think to some extent, we've created a little bit of an uh, equation in our minds stand that says, okay, Christianity equals church attendance. Mm. When our Christianity just equals church attendance, then we, we don't realize that God has spoken in all areas of life. Uh, I believe he has given us the, the design for the state, and we should we should view what happens in that arena through that design. He's the one who's given us a design for the family, and we should look at human sexuality and marriage and all of that through that design. That design. He's the one who's made us, uh, and we should look at uh, anthropology. Who is man through that lens, um, as as opposed to just the you know the very shallow. And you said it earlier, the very shallow way that the Western Church has somehow kind of um, brought itself to this uh, place where we do get tossed to and fro. And so I think that uh, is one of the key things that has to happen. We have to re inculcate that deep-rooted biblical worldview. We've kind of been throwing out this phrase, worldview, Christian worldview. Again, some kind of, it's somewhat self-explanatory, but let's be a little bit more clear. We talk about a Christian worldview and the importance of that. Some people have uh, have reduced it to a very short phrase that it's like the lens you look through. I think it's more complicated than that. So uh, I think there is a formal worldview, and that is that consists of the truth claims that um, that are purported to paint a picture of reality. So you could go to a library, pull out a book on Marxism, for example, and it would it would describe all the truth claims that Marx and Engels had. Or you could pull out uh, a book on Islam, and it would have all the truth claims. Or you could pull out the Bible. <laughs> or maybe a systematic theological uh, textbook, and we have all those truth claims. And uh, now, so that's a formal worldview, but I'm, I'm interested in the personal worldview. So I think, Stan, what that is, is what does your heart tell you is really real? Uh, you know, what are the truth claims that you have bought so deeply that you believe they reflect what is really real? And so if I if I believe, for for example, I could take you to the to the bedside of a young woman in the hospital who's, who's down about 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. And she may be a believer in Jesus Christ, but she also believes that if she's not a little thinner than she is now, she's not acceptable. Hmm. So that's a truth claim she has bought so deeply that she believes it's real. And it and it, it directs how she thinks, how she acts, even her 
how she feels. So that's that personal worldview that I'm I'm interested. I'm not interested if you can get a hundred percent on the Bible quiz. <laughs> although I guess I am. You can't you know you can't believe what you don't know. Right. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We we can be satisfied by saying that our our kids got a hundred percent on the Bible test, but they may not mm. believe a word of it. Mm. All right, that's so good. God is always at work among us. When Alater, a Christian home education program that partners with parents by providing classroom learning and curriculum, began meeting with MyBridge Momentum, a ministry of MyBridge which invests in leaders and the organizations they lead, Alater was picturing their ministry expanding. As we really began to map out, like, what does it mean to achieve this breakthrough in ministry? Right, if the Lord is calling Alatera to thrive, what does that look like? Nick and Ellen on Alatera's leadership team quickly had clarity. It looked like expanding Nick's role as director of operations. What I was doing part-time needed to be done full-time. And so was I gonna step into that role or was I gonna step back and then Alatera hire somebody? It really forced us to make a decision. As momentum brought that clarity and Nick shifted into that role, Alatair's ministry has been unlocked and is building momentum to boldly pursue their vision of reaching 50 states and 50,000 families with their Christian learning and curriculum. Momentum allowed us to put some goals in place and then talk about the steps that need to take place to get there in a way that you're just not going to get if you're just doing your day to day. God is on the move through MyBridge Momentum, accelerating Nebraska ministries like Alatair as they identify and fulfill God's kingdom purposes for their ministry. God is doing something right now. MyBridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at MyBridgeRadio.net. So, Dallas, we're talking about having a Christian worldview. Again, many people probably have heard that phrase. We've kind of explained it a little bit. How would I know if I did or not? Like, I believe in God and I believe in the Bible and I go to church. How would I know whether I have a solid biblical worldview or not? Well, I'm not sure, Stan, that we can put uh, any kind of objective test on that. Mm -hmm. But here's what I would say, and that is that there is a difference, as we just said, between being able to answer the questions. By the way, that's the third one. I call that the professed worldview. That's the profession we make. For example, when we go to church and the pastor stands up and says, God is good, we all reply, God is good, or we say all the time, yeah. you know, and then we and then we drive home and our house is burned down and we're going to see if we believe that God is good all the time. Hmm. And so I call this, uh, you know, uh, shaking your cup. <laughs> what comes out of the cup when it gets bumped? And, and so how do we assess what kind of a biblical worldview we have? I think we assess it by how we respond to what goes on around us. What is our thinking associated with what is happening? Uh, when we see people say things uh, uh, regarding human sexuality, that's the big one, is it not? Hmm. You know, if, if we say, you know, if a boy believes that he's a cat... How do we respond to that? What do, what's our thinking 
there. You know, do we think that, well, if, you know, if he thinks he's a cat, then we ought to affirm that. Or do we say there's something wrong here? That that can stir up a lot of dust, I know right now. But the, the answer, I think, is how do I respond? That's what I look at myself, you know. How do I respond to someone who says something that may be critical of me? Do I respond, you know, with my dukes up or I get, I get angry or bitter inside? Maybe I don't say anything. Uh, and then I have to go home and and say, okay, what what's my worldview? Do I think mm-hmm. that I'm that important? You know, do I do I think it's all about me or do I think it's all about him mm-hmm. and what he wants to do through me? Mm-hmm. That's so good. Your analogy that you were sharing about the cop, actually, I use that a lot. And uh, I actually did it just this last week at our premarital class that my wife and I co-host. Because I talk about how marriage can shake you up. (laughs) And whatever it is, when you get shaken, so I kind of set people up. I go, if I shake this cup of water and water comes out, why did water come out? And they they say, well, because you shook it. I go, that's the answer I wanted you to say. It's the wrong answer. <laughs> like The reason water came out is because water was in it, right? If Kool-Aid would have been in it and I would have shaken it, water wouldn't have come out. Kool-Aid would have come out. So I like what you're saying in terms of, hey, when you're shaken, right? Whatever it is that's doing the shaking, whether it's the culture, prevailing culture perspective, whether it is, you know, a crisis in your life. I think back to my wife. I don't know why I haven't thought about this in a long time, but my wife and I were like 30 years ago. We're driving. Won't go into all the details of it, but anyway, we ended up in the ditch going about 70 miles an hour. Could have very easily flipped. My wife's knee-jerk reaction was audibly to call out to Jesus. I've never forgotten that. When she was getting shaken, we were literally getting shaken physically without having to think about it. She had in her this thing that says Jesus, you know? And Stan, I think that I want a great, great picture there because we need to train ourselves. We're not perfect. You know, we're going to get bumped and we're going to see things come out that we don't like. Mm -hmm. But that's part of our sanctification process, part of our training. But we need to see that. We need to say, okay, what what is my thinking that causes me to react that way? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, I'll tell you this, I don't want to oversimplify it, but oftentimes the answer is selfishness. Mm -hmm. You know, my self-centeredness, my selfishness is what um, usually ends up coming out. Mm. And, um, you know, so Jesus Jesus has to keep telling me, you know, hey, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Well, you know, that, that phrase, deny yourself, that doesn't fly in our culture <laughs> no. today, right? No. Affirm yourself yes. as opposed to you say, look, I'll, let me tell you, let me tell you what is at the end of that narrow road. It's life and it's peace. And what I, what's written on that gate, deny yourself. Mm and come follow me. But the world is saying, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's all about you. You know, affirm yourself. But that broad path leads to death and yep. destruction. Yeah. Yeah. So talked quite a bit about the Truth Project this morning and the kind of underpinnings of it. Talk to us about your latest work that you're involved with the Engagement Project. Yes, the Engagement Project is the is really the next step. So in other words, we can say, well, great, I have a biblical worldview. It may not be perfect, but I'm working on that. Is that the end game? In other words, is, does, does God say, you know, truth is the end game? And, and I would say, no, it isn't. Mm. You know, truth is critical. Truth is important. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But just for the believer to, to, to say that the end game is to 
to get another three pages in my truth notebook is not what is not what the Lord was after. Mm-hmm. And so the engagement project is is really the tough nut to crack now. The truth project was easy because evangelical Christians we love truth and we should, but that's not the end game. And so the engagement project is really to say, okay, this this is the end game. This is what, what Jesus wants us to know truth for. And uh, so the engagement project is basically to, you know, in the, in the big the big scheme of things there is to is to say, look, in the Western church in particular, the body of Christ, uh, we've got things upside down again. We're we're more of a and I'll just say it, we're more of a pre-reformational form. So, you know, the mass of people we we show up on Sunday, kind of like that equation, you know, we say, okay, this is what we do as Christians. We go to church and uh, we get sprinkled and, and put money in the coffer and then we leave. And we are not, we're not fruitful in, in the culture and the world around us. And we think that the kingdom work is done by, by the hierarchy. But the, the royal law, in other words, the Jesus law, as we read in James 2.8, the royal law says that we are to love our neighbor. And Paul, Paul twice says everything, the, all, all the commands, every, he says, it's the most stunning statement in the scripture. I think he says everything is summed up in this one thing, love your neighbor. And, and yet we don't, you know, we don't, as believers, we don't, in many cases, don't even know the names of our neighbor, let alone, you know, is what is Miss Smith, Mrs. Smith across the street suffering from? Why is she a bitter old woman that nobody likes, nobody comes to see? Well, she's in my Jerusalem, and I, and I am, a, the, the scripture says, we are a royal priesthood, which means I have priestly duties. If I'm a truck driver, I am a priest in this neighborhood. You know, if I'm a nurse, I'm a priest in this neighborhood, and I bring Mrs. Smith's name before the throne of God, and I and I carry out the royal law. So the whole engagement project, we try to build up to that because you can't really start with love your neighbor, but here we have to talk about it uh, because people just aren't ready for that, I think. But So the, the engagement project is to systematically go through a biblical worldview again, hungering and looking for what I believe is the crown jewel in the nature of God. And it's in that context that we finally then examine what did Jesus mean when he said, I'll tell you, I'll boil everything down for you. It's love God and love your neighbor. And I don't think that was just a banner that he wanted us to hang up in church. I think it was literally true. And for the first 200 years, that is how the church spread, because they believe that's what Jesus told them to do. That's what Paul said. Everything is summed up in this one thing. And that's how the church spread for 200 years. And then we decided we had a better way, you know, to, you know, to do this stuff. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just trying to call people back to the vision of who you are in Christ. And uh, the, the plumber and his wife and kids, when they come to church, they need to be told you have have been entrusted with the primary work of the kingdom. Do you understand that? And that's what that would be the summation of the engagement project. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150 verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Join us Sundays on MyBridge Radio for worship music all day long. Refreshing, hope-filled Sundays on MyBridge Radio. 
Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I've chewed on this quite a bit here over the last year because you talk a lot about being salt and light, right? And one of the places that that comes out is in Matthew five. The thing that really struck me this year was the context that that comes out of. Like that, you're the the, the salt of the earth. Right before that is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely in my account. Rejoice and be glad for your rewards are great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And uh, and then it goes you are the salt of the earth where the salt has become without taste. So it talks about salt and light. So the context of being salt and light is in the context of being persecuted. <laughs> so those to me they, those seem like they go together and when you think about the culture that you're in right now, we're in right now where to stand for truth you get smacked. <laughs> it yep. really it really yep. made sense to me. Am I reading something in the scripture inappropriately, or is that an accurate context? No, I, I don't think you are, Stan. I think that's I think that's that's right. Uh, and I think practically, if you think about this, practically thinking, uh, it's like Jesus saying, "If you love those who love you, well, I, what good what's, is that? What's that? Mm-hmm. Right? So where where does the Christian stand out? Where does the light of the Christians?" Uh, stand out it's in darkness i mean if you if you're if you turn your flashlight on in the, at noon you know here in the rocky mountains when it's blue skies and sunshine you know you may have to check to see if it's really on you may not even know it's on or not but i guarantee you out in the middle of the night you know when it is pitch black and you turn that light on everybody around you will know you turn that on. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is something to that, looking at just the state of the culture around us. And that's not for us to wring our hands, you know, to have our hearts melt and knees knock. That's for us to actually say, wow, you know, this is the moment. This is the time that we are made for. This is why we're here. This is why God has left a remnant in this land, because the light is more needed than ever. You know, the salt in a land where everything is tasteless, this is the time for the body of Christ. So good. Yeah, we're super excited to have you and uh, look forward to just how God's going to use this engagement project. Well, thank you, Stan. I'm excited about it as well. I look forward to these times because um, I finally get to be able to be with people and to interact with folks. And we'll have a lot of that. I hope we get to meet a, a lot of great folks there. We know your time is valuable, so we're grateful you chose to spend some of it listening to Morning Conversation, the podcast. If God used this content to bless you, we'd love to have you share it with a friend. Also, when you click subscribe or follow, not only will our next episode be delivered to your podcast app, you'll help raise awareness so others can more easily find this podcast. For more conversations like this, along with songs of hope and stories of God at work, we invite you to listen to MyBridge Radio. Hear it on the MyBridge Radio app or listen online at mybridgeradio.net.